for whom the Son sets free is free indeed, and we're able to walk in spiritual freedom because of the shed blood of Christ Jesus, the fact that he laid down his life, the fact that he took his life back up and he rose about that grave on the third day with all power and might in his hand. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Well, family, it's so good to be with you once again as we gather this morning for this worship service of the church at Forest Baptist. And even though, again, we may be the church scattered, uh, but because of the freedom we have in Jesus, we can gather through the blood of Christ. Amen. Now, I'd just like to go ahead and say thank you all so much for all your birthday wishes. I'm so grateful for this body of Christ and all the love that you just freely uh, extend uh, to us and the Bishop family. Uh, uh, a wise pastor once told me that folks ain't got to be nice to you. So I'm so glad that, that you are. And just to think, uh, I was some young 35-year-old breaking my family down to Louisville, and here we are some 11 years later. Look at what God is able to do. Amen. Well, indeed, uh, this month, as we are uh, uh, in Black History Month, we as a church, we are participating and celebrating Black History Month. And that may bring up some questions as like, why? Why would we celebrate Black History Month? Why is there a Black History Month? And uh, some of the reasons that I give people is much is learned about what we do here and about what we do see. But I would argue that even more is, is learned by what we don't hear and what we don't see. And unfortunately, historically, uh, in this nation, the narrative of African Americans and uh, our accomplishments have not been brought to the forefront of our eyes. And, and we have not, and African Americans have not been recognized as co-workers in the kingdom of culture. And much of what has been done within the African-American context has been looked over and left out. So what we uh, wanted to do is to continue just to lift up some of those stories, lift up some of those experiences, not at all to uh, say we're better or anything like that, but to actually point to the faithfulness of God, which is one of the reasons why we have today's sermon. Uh, but historically, again, one can go from kindergartens to graduate school and never have the opportunity or be required to interact with any curriculum written by uh, African-American authors, teachers, or anything like that. So uh, this, this specific uh, attention to Black History Month is just to uh, lift up the entire story of America uh, and and the blessing that we are when we are working together. Amen. So as we do celebrate Black History Month here at Forest Baptist Church, we will spotlight a few faithful uh, African Americans throughout these next few weeks that we believe that you should know about. We're so grateful to uh, Maddie, Travis for uh, lifting up before us, George Lyle, uh, one of America's, the America's first uh, missionary. And we'll hear a little bit more about his story even after uh, the closing prayer today. So make sure you stick around. But as we celebrate, 
I do want us also to be proud of the fact that we at Forest Baptist Church, we are black history. Never forget, even as we are celebrating this year, our 154th year of gospel ministry, never take for granted, don't forget the story of how this church came out of the little living room of Miss Eliza Tibbs. I could, I mean, you, could you imagine if they were able to see what was going on now? The fact that we're broadcasting into homes while you chilling on your couch, you able to experience worship because of this pandemic? I, I never, I, I don't believe they, they could have imagined that faithful seed that they sowed some 140, 54 years ago that has blossomed into what the Lord has brought forth now. So never forget that we are black history here at Forest Baptist Church. So with that in mind, I actually want us to turn to Joshua, the fourth chapter. Joshua, the fourth chapter. And again, as we celebrate, uh, we we do not celebrate to say, look at us or look at ourselves. This celebration is to say, look at the faithfulness of God. Joshua, the fourth chapter, two sections of scripture, kind of like the bookends to this chapter. I'm going to be reading verses one through seven, and then we're going to skip down to verses 19 through 24. Joshua, the fourth chapter. Verses 1 through 7, then we'll skip, skip down to verses 19 through 24. And if you are able, uh, please let us stand in honor of the reading of God's word right there at home. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, in the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you should take them, you should tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel, a memorial forever. Skip down with me to verse 19. We'll finish up. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. He said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. 
so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. And I just want to tag this Black History Month kickoff with the tag, the Memorial of the Black Church. The Memorial of the Black Church. Let us go before the Lord in prayer this morning. O oh, gracious, faithful, kind, marvelous, awesome Father in heaven. Indeed, blessed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, right now, O oh God, we ask that you would please have your way in this worship service. Father in heaven, we do pause to acknowledge your preeminence and your power. We acknowledge that you are great and greatly to be praised. We acknowledge right now, O oh God, that you are worthy of our attention and affection. You are worthy of our very best. And right now, O oh God, I pray that we would bring our very best, uh, very best, not in our own strength, but by your spirit as we seek to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you that we can approach boldly before your throne of grace because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which clothes us with righteousness from above. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this great privilege we have to worship as the church scattered. Thank you for your blessing upon Forest Baptist Church down through the years. Father, as we pause to reflect upon your faithfulness right now, may it, it, may it, it cause us to press into you even more. May it cause us to worship you even more. May it cause us to, to praise you even more, to thank you even more, and to be even more devoted to your purposes in this world. Father, you did not set us up just to go aimlessly and to do what we want to do, but you have a mission and a purpose for your church. And Father, up to now, the gates of hell has not prevailed against this place. And Father, help us to be faithful stewards of over what you have given to us. Right now, oh God, help us to worship. Father, whatever cares, whatever issues of life, whatever may be on our, on our back right now, whatever burdens we may have, Father, you already declare, cast our cares upon you because you're faithful. Father, your word reminds us that you are the God of all comfort, able to comfort us in our afflictions. We ask, oh God, that you will comfort us right now in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of disease and pestilence. Father, have mercy on us today. Give us renewed desires for you, for Christ. For the one who may not know you this morning, Father, please reveal yourself to them. Father, I ask that you will have mercy upon me. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In the matchless and mighty and magnificent name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we do pray, and all of God's people said together, amen, amen, and amen. You know, it was in 1787, the Free African Society was uh, established, and, and it was the first formal religious organization for African Americans. And this 
organization was established by uh, Richard Allen and Absalom Jones in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And this uh, organization was established in response to the practice of segregation and discrimination and abuse taking place in white churches. It was uh, in response to this rejection of being declared second-class citizens. As a matter of fact, the story goes like this. As Richard Allen and Absalom Jones were worshiping at St. George's uh, Methodist Episcopal Church there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, because the African-American population had grew so much, they changed the seating arrangement and, and placed the blacks in the balconies while the whites were on the floor. And, uh, and as were their habit, uh, Richard Allen and Absalom Jones came in to, to pray before the Lord's Supper, and as they were on their knees, they were told to get up immediately and go sit with the rest of the African-Americans. And it was in that moment as they were praying out of their devotion to the Lord, they, 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 they would move after prayer, but they were, they were uh, snatched up to their feet. And it was in that moment that the Lord actually uh, gave them the strength and power to walk out with their heads held high. And many other African-Americans followed them. And from there, they established this religious organization, which actually leads to the foundation of the African Methodist Episcopal Church in America. And it wasn't just that organization that was founded by uh, African Americans seeking to have a, a worship that, uh, that embraced them, a worship that saw them as Jesus saw them, as uh, image bearers, seeing the Imago Dei, seeing them as valuable, valuable just because of who God was and how he was their creator. As years pass, organizations and denominations such as the National Baptist uh, Convention, the Progressive National Baptist Convention, the uh, Church of God in Christ, the Full Gospel Church International, and, 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 and many more. But these denominations and churches were established in order to give African Americans the ability to worship uh, free of persecution prejudice, bigotry, and dehumanization. And over those years, there are innumerable stories that we can tell about the resilience of African-American faith and, uh, and against unfathomable odds. Odds that were stacked up against them, even as they sought to be faithful in the worship of the quote-unquote the, the same God that the white churches, the same Jesus that, that the white churches, and the same gospel that the white churches were preaching. Beloved, this is why I believe the black church in America is a testament of God's faithfulness and God's faithfulness alone. No one or nothing else. If it had been up to America, quote-unquote, uh, all black churches, there, there would not have been any black churches. As a matter of fact, if it was up to uh, uh, America, there would probably not even be a, a black family. But God, in spite of all the oppression and all the marginaliz uh, marginalization and all of the hate, 
God has sustained this jewel of the black church. When we speak of the black church, we should see her as a memorial to God. This is not about us and what we do, but it's, it's about the fact that in spite of all of the adversity, God saw fit to raise up an, institute, uh, uh, an institution that would draw a people unto him and to give safety and harbor and refuge for the worship of Jesus the Christ. This is the, the theme of the text before us this morning. Because like these stones in the text that Joshua uh, picks up and builds this altar, just like these stones, the, the black church should take on special significance in the life of this nation. In the sense I've heard it said, it's like the black church has been the conscience of America. Pushing people towards righteousness, pushing people towards justice in the midst of a society which, which seeks to segregate and to hurt people. Like these stones, the black church was selected and set up by God himself. And this should point us to someone greater. Just like these stones here in Joshua 4 were set up to point to one who was greater than all situations and circumstances, when we consider the black church in America, it should point us to Jesus and the fact that his love was so strong that this church could not be broken and that we worship in spite of. In the text this morning, it's with these stones that Israel would remember and reflect on God's extraordinary faithfulness. And it's with these stones that Israel would remember and reflect on what it meant to be God's people. Here's the big idea that I want us to hold, hold on to this morning. And the fact that reflecting on, on the Lord's faithfulness yesterday should lead to a faithful worship of the Lord today. Reflecting on the Lord's faithfulness yesterday, back in the day, when you think about your life and where you came from, when they, when they would look back and to see these stones represented uh, their history, when we look back and reflect upon the Lord's faithfulness yesterday, it should actually lead us to faithful worship of the Lord today. He should be on our mind. He should be on our hearts because of what he has accomplished. So specifically in the text, as we walk through it, these memorial stones were, were set up in order to help Israel to remember. And primarily to, to remember uh, uh, three different things. To, these stones were set up to help them remember the Lord's faithful presence. These stones were set up to help Israel remember the Lord's faithful providence. But then also these stones were set up to help Israel remember the Lord's faithful power. And when they reflected and remembered those things, it will culminate into the Lord's faithful praise. Look here in verses 2 through 3 at the beginning of the fourth chapter. And the text says, take 12 men from the people 
for from each tribe a man and command them saying take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight God calls on Joshua to command a 12 men representing the nations the whole purpose of grabbing 12 men was to, to, to say to them, not one tribe is going to be left out of my, of, of, of my covenant promise to be with you. Not one tribe is going to be left behind to have to deal with the enemies all by themselves. Not, not one tribe is going to have to move to the side and the other tribes will experience my glory. No, but all of my people will experience my goodness. And as each representative picked up a stone uh, for their particular tribe, God was saying, I will not leave any of you behind. I will be with you. This is a, an awesome word for us, knowing that God will never leave or forsake one of his children. If you have uh, cried out to Jesus as, as Lord and Savior, if you haven't made a profession of faith and you are faithfully following the Lord and you belong to him and he belongs to you, what he's saying to you today that in spite of where you come from or where he's taking you to, that he's not going to leave you alone, that his presence is going to be with you. And beloved, sometimes, especially right now, in the midst of a pandemic, that's a word for us in times of loneliness, in times of discouragement, in times where we feel we're all by ourselves. Never forget that God will never forsake his children. He will never leave you behind. But then secondly, what they would see about God uh, in this situation of the men uh, picking up these stones specifically from the place where the feet of the priest stood. The significance of that is the fact that the priests were the ones who carried the Ark of the Covenant. And when we look all through Old Testament scripture and uh, even scriptures to come, the Ark was symbolic of the place where God chose to reside in the midst of his people. So what God is saying by by having them take stones from where the priest stood, he's saying that you are taking these stones in remembrance that I am with my people. God didn't say take the stones from the beginning of the people. God didn't say take the stones from the end of the people. God said take the stones from the very place where my tangible presence, the Ark of the Covenant, was standing. So as they would look at these stones, they would be deeply encouraged that God was with them. Little old Israel, in the midst of all these nations, they would definitely feel isolated as the only nation who worshiped God. But God said, you don't have to feel lonely. You don't have to feel left out because I am with you. The, the, these memorial stones would remind Israel that God was in their midst, that he was with them. But then secondly, these stones will help Israel remember God's faithful providence. Look with me in verse 19. In verse 19, God, God is very specific in how this story is, is told. 
In verses 19 and 20, it says, The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took up out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. What God is doing there, he has some specific purposes for the day and for the time. And this, this detailed uh, uh, command from God help, would help them understand God's providential care and control of the people. Back in Exodus, the uh, 12th chapter, the 10th day of the first month coincides when they were to select the lamb that would be part of the Passover meal. They were to select a, 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 uh, a perfectly blemish-free lamb in order to sacrifice that they would take a moment to think back of how God rescued them out of Egypt. So God is saying specifically, as I'm bringing you over into this, into this new land, I want you to get started with a time of worship. I want you to kick things off by remembering how I, I, how I heard your cries and I delivered you. I want you to start your time out by remembering how through situation and circumstance, I was weaving my hand. I was controlling the narrative. I was moving Pharaoh in order for you to be set free, to be liberated, that you may worship me. And as you enter into this new land, I want you to remember how I am the one who brought you out. They were to celebrate God's purposes and his plans, his, his sovereign control for his people. And the text also says that it was set up at Gilgog. This was uh, one of three religious sites that we see all through the Old Testament. This as well as Shiloh and Shechem would be the places of worship that they would come. So, God is establishing in his sovereign control, in his providential plan, he is setting up their first place of worship unto him as they enter into the land. The Lord's detailed instructions were a constant reminder of his sovereign guidance and control. God's sovereign guidance and control was with them all along the way. He is telling Moses, I want you to throw down this stick. Moses, I want you to pick up the stick. Moses, I want you to go in front of Pharaoh. Moses, I want you to leave Pharaoh. And he said, Moses, I want you to tap the water. Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. And all of those detailed instructions, and in all of that, God is caring for his children as they make their way into the promised land. Oh, beloved. All along our journey's way, God has been saying, sit down, stand up, go left, go right, speak up, be quiet. And as God is instructing us in all of those, 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 those details of life, though we can't see the big picture, I dare you to take a look back over your life and see all those little decisions, all those little prayers, all those little words, all those little devotions. Where have they brought you to now? God's providential care and guidance over our lives has been amazing. And it's when you stop and look back, you see that had not God led me left 
if, if I had decided to turn right then, I would have been dead. If I had not have got up, if I had not have ducked, if I had not have accelerated, if I had not have slowed down. We have so many instances in our life. Had not God led me, where would I be? His providential care is all over Israel, and these stones would testify to that fact. It is these memorial stones that would remind Israel that God knew what he was doing. But then also these stones would help Israel remember God's faithful power. Look at verse 21 with me. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. He, he, he's going back and he's saying uh, to this new generation, because you remember, because of their disobedience, their parents had died in the wilderness. Their parents had uh, witnessed firsthand God opening up the Red Sea as Pharaoh was in hot pursuit. But God opens up the Red Sea and they cross over on dry ground. But that very generation was disobedient to God. They were grumbling all the time. They had witnessed God's power for themselves, but did not uh, expect his power to take care of them in the wilderness. So God said, I'm going to let this generation die, but the next generation that comes up, I'm going to take them over to the promised land. So what God is doing, he's basically saying to them, I, the same God that had enough power to bring you out of Egypt is the same God that has enough power to bring you into your new home. The same God that was there for your parents is the same God that's able to provide for you by, in power right now. Beloved, I don't know where you've been, I don't know where you came from, and I don't know where you may be going. But there's going to be times in your life where you look back at what mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa, and grandpa did and how God was in their life, and you're going to question, is that the same God? who is ruling and reigning over my life, and then God is going to open up some Jordans for you to show you that the same God that had power back then is the same God that has power right now. He's faithful. God is saying in these stones, the same God who delivered you from Pharaoh is the same God that's going to deliver Jericho. He's saying the same God that delivered you out of slavery is the same God who has liberated you to worship right here at Gilgal. He's saying that the same God that allowed you to cross the Red Sea on dry ground is the same God that let you cross the Jordan on dry ground. The same God that was with you on the wilderness journey will be the same God that brings you into this land as you take over what God has given you. He says the same God that gave you water from a rock. It's the same God that has a lake scent and, and, and valleys full of streamings water in this promised land. The same God that, that gave them manna from heaven. It's the same God that's allowing grapes and, and, and fruit to grow up from this land right now. The same God that was able to give you conquest over those kings are go, is going to be the same God that give you conquest over these kings and these new challenges as I tell you to take this land. 
Beloved, the same God that brought our ancestors out of slavery and the same God that brought our ancestors out of and through Jim Crow and through civil rights is the same, the same God right now who is able to help us to move in these days right now. Don't forget what God has done before. He can do it right now. These memorial stones would remind Israel God would always be victorious. Isn't that how God demonstrated his power? Even though he had no equal, his enemies would come up against him. It's like Mike Tyson in his early days, not his late days, his early days. It didn't matter who Mike Tyson fought. Whoever stepped in the ring, you already knew. It's just a matter of time or how long it would be before he got knocked out. And, and everyone who stepped in his way was laid on their back. Beloved, uh, uh, our God is, is stronger than a Mike Tyson because there's no one who can actually even get in the ring with him. But what God does is he allows enemies to think they can rise up. He allows situations to come up against you. And you thinking that this situation is bigger than your God, but then God demonstrates his power by knocking down your enemies, by reminding you of his faithfulness through his power. That's the God we serve. But the text doesn't end right there. It culminates here in verse 24. Because the text crescendos and it comes to this. And it says, all of this. <laughs> Joshua, I told you to pick 12 men. Joshua, I told you to have the people go over. Joshua, I told you to have the priest stand in the middle of the water. Joshua, I told you, and even the priest, oh, beloved, let me just take a, a, just a, just a, a, a quick uh, sidetrack right quick. Think about the priest, because God said that the, for them just to step in the water. So before they can actually accomplish going through, they had to exercise some faith by taking a step in the water. Beloved, I don't know where God has you right now, but you need to exercise some faith by taking a step. And, and the text says that once they stuck their foot in the water, that it opened up. God wants to move us in some places, but we're going to have to put our foot in the water in order for the situation to open up. I'm finished with that. Let me bring it back. But, but, but what God is saying, he said, uh, uh, I told you to have the priests step in the water. I told you to pick up the stones, and I told you to bring them over to your camp, and I told you to set them up. And, and Joshua, I told you to do all of that so that all the peoples of the earth <laughs> may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may, be, may fear the Lord your God forever. And some of us, we thinking, well, why do I got to go through X? And why do I got to go through Y? And why do I got to go through Z? But, beloved, God is saying, I, I, I told you to go through X. And I told you to go through Y. And I told you to go through Z. So that when people look at your life, the hand of God is so mighty over you that they will see you and see Jesus. And as the people see the hand of the Lord, that you may fear the Lord. He's saying that they may worship, that they will praise the name of the Lord. Those memorial stones would remain, would, would, would remind Israel 
God was fully worthy of their worship. And beloved, even if we just thought about this past year, I'm not even asking you to look back over your whole life. But if you even just really consider what God has been doing last year, beloved, let me tell you, though there's pestilence and a pandemic, God has blessed abundantly and beyond, beyond all that I could think of because he is faithful. When Just like when Pharaoh was, was enslaving Egypt, oh, uh, when, 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 when all the plagues were coming, the text would say that the plague would happen to Egypt, but it wouldn't happen to the children of Israel. While they were in Goshen chilling, their cattle and their flocks were still living while Egypt's flocks were dying. They were chilling in Goshen when the, when the bugs and the flies and the gnats were coming and the frogs was coming. But in Egypt, uh, uh, they, they were all over the place causing confusion. Beloved, don't you know? When you belong to God, there may be pestilence in the land. There may be pandemic in the land. But God is still able to care for you in a way that is abundant, above, and beyond you can ever ask or think. That's his power. And these 12 stones would remind Israel of God's And beloved, it's in the same way that these stones serve to point Israel back to the Lord. These stones wasn't set up so they can walk in front of them and, and, and take a selfie and say, look what I did. Those stones wasn't set up so they can sign their name on a stone and say, uh, Nate was here. Those stones pointed to the Lord. And I argue the same way the history of those stones were there to deepen the faith of the Israelites, so too our faith should be deepened by this particular local body of Christ. Birth out of slavery. Burnt down not once, but twice. Had God not had his hand on this church, where would we be? This is why I argue that the black church in America is a memorial to the Lord. Not because any other church can't be, but I'm saying the black church is a memorial to the Lord. Because if everyone else had their way, there would not even be a black church to testify and point to God's goodness. The black church is a memorial to the Lord's faithful presence because had not God been with us. I believe the black church is a memorial to the Lord's faithful providence because had not God been guiding us. And I believe that the black church is a memorial to the Lord's faithful power because had not God been fighting for us, where would we be? And it's for this reason that the black church is a memorial to the Lord's worthiness of our praise. 
black church historically has been a place of refuge and worship. In spite of enslavement and oppression, the black church has been a beacon of hope in the midst of darkness. A visible and tangible expression of the psalmist's words, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. The invisible institution uh, in the sense that it provided safe haven for the enslaved uh, as they worship in secret away from the watching eye of their enslavers. And as they would worship, it would be the the pastor who would remind them the scripture's testimony of the fact that uh, if the Lord had been with Abraham, and if the Lord had been with Isaac, and if the Lord had been with Jacob, and if the Lord had been with Joseph, and if the Lord had been with Moses, then certainly this same God would be with them too. This church rising out of the oppression of white supremacy and black subordination. Through slavery, Jim Crow, and the fight for civil rights, through inequality and inequity, the black church has been a tool, an instrument of God's righteousness. We have memorial stones of our own here at Forest. Don't take our story for granted. Don't take what we have here at Forest for granted. Because when we take our story for granted, when we take the fact that in the home of former slaves, this church was built in the staff, when we take that for granted, we take God's power for granted. We take God's presence for granted. And we take God's providence for granted. And when we do that, we will take his praise for granted. All that we have and all that we are points to the faithfulness of our God. So let me ask you this. What stones of remembrance has God given you? When you consider your own life, where God has brought you from, where he has brought you to, and where he may be taking you. What stones of remembrance has God given you? There may be some moments of reflection that you need to take in order to honor God rightly. But here's the key. Do your stones of remembrance point you to Jesus? Or do they just point you to the good time that you had? Do your stones point you to the Alpha and the Omega? Or do your stones just point you to being on the block, your reputation, and your name? Beloved, may we be a people, may we be a church that willingly tell our children the story of the black church. That God would be praised. Let us tell the story of Forrest Baptist, that God would be praised. Being ever so careful not to forget where God has brought us from. But beloved, isn't that the story of humanity? Our forgetfulness? Because we see in a text that quickly, soon after, 
especially after Joshua and, and Caleb. As that generation dies, there rose another generation who did not know the Lord. They forgot. And because they forgot God's goodness and what those stones really meant, and they were just going through the motions of religion and tradition, that they really weren't close to God, and they fell into sin over and over time and time again. But just like Israel, beloved, we forget. And it's when we forget that we fall into sin. And we fall into situations and circumstances that God did not uh, intend for us, but we went our own way. But beloved, you know, one of the ways that we can move beyond failing to remember is to be careful not to only look at these earthly stones. But what God wants us to do is to look to a greater stone. See, here in Ephesians, the second chapter, God is reminding us about another set of stones. In Ephesians, the second chapter, beginning with the 18th verse, he says, For through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Or maybe we look at 1 Peter, the second chapter, in the fourth verse, where Peter says, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, the text of scripture is clear. When we forget we are not to put our trust in earthly stones. We don't put our faith in the black church. We put our faith in the one who is the object of our worship in the black church, the living stone, Jesus Christ. And Peter's words is the one who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior will not be put to shame in spite of what this world says about you, in spite of what you may have to go through, in spite of what they may believe about you, he says that when you are in Christ Jesus, you don't have to be put to shame. 
but he says, for those who have rejected him. You are trying to build a life without the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. May we always appreciate what God has given us here at Forest. May we always appreciate God even the more because of where he has brought us. Reflecting on the Lord's faithfulness yesterday should lead you to faithful worship of the Lord today. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, I just thank you for just kicking us off in this month of black history by focusing on you and realizing that if it hasn't, hadn't been for your presence, your providence, and your power, we will have no reason to praise. But we do because of Christ Jesus. We thank you for bringing us through in spite of, and we pray that because of you, we will continue to go on to make disciples for King Jesus. Father, thank you for this incredible stewardship. Father, I thank you for allowing me to be your under-shepherd here in this place. What an awesome privilege it is. So, Father, we will be careful to give you the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.